Hello, sir. Hoi, hoi. How's it going? Um, great. I'm liking the mustache. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got an isolation mustache now. Perfect, brilliant. Well, I've been, I've been threatening Hannah with it for <laughs> quite some time, and this way, I don't have to embarrass her out in the real world, and I still get all the, you know, satisfaction of a terrible peach fuzz mustache. Brilliant. I think I think it makes you look like a nineteen seventies like sleazy uh like record shop owner, perhaps. Oh, I dig that. Yeah. yeah I, I dig think, that vibe. I think I quite like it. Um, um but yeah. Fu- I'm good. Glad to yes. know. Glad to hear. It's the last uh, podcast for, for all those listeners out there. I do have coronavirus. <laughs> um, How are you doing, Chief? I honestly great. Tom, I'll De- no, 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 you can't. You're not allowed to say that. It's it's been a two week piss up. There's gonna no. There's gonna be Karens that are gonna be fucking kicking off all the time about like, oh, but this podcast host from a British NFL podcast says that he's <laughs> fine and he's got it. So clearly, I, I don't need to be inside. Obviously, <laughs> plenty of people have had it far worse than me. Yeah, but I had a cough for one day and that was it. So, so what you're saying is that you are an advocate for Britain receiving cured immunity. <laughs> <laughs> is if, if I'm if I'm hearing you right? Yeah, I do feel a little bad because I then gave it to Hannah, who was quite ill. Oh dear! But she's getting better too now. So you know, all's well that ends well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Everything will work out in the end, as it seems yeah. to have already worked out for you quite quite smugly. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Stiff Up a Lip, the NFL podcast by Brits, with me, Ed Wilkins. Me, Emma Hebron. Me, Sam Wong. Me, Tom Chappell. Excellent. Lovely. Um, Tom, we've reached the end of the regular season. We did it, guys! We made it! We, uh, we dragged dragged ourselves through it, kicking and screaming. 22 episodes of talking gash about NFL players that will ultimately never listen to anything that we've said about them. <laughs> um, both of us are on different ends of the uh, happiness scale going into... Well, moving on from here out, um, we'll we'll touch upon that later. But Sam, uh, as I mentioned to you a couple of days ago, uh, I have an idea for how we can for how we can start this podcast. Absolutely. Leaving us at the end of the regular season, we're eighteen teams, starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Leading on to the New York Jets who incidentally just fired Adam Gase. So, while this season may have been sad, there is light on the horizon. Before getting on to the Atlanta Falcons, who probably would have finished 10-6 and six had they not blown half of their games like they do every single year. Thankfully, Dan Quinn and Thomas Orlovsky have both left the... or Thomas Dimitrov, sorry, have both left the organisation. Uh, then we have the Houston Texans, um, 
who are really just a testament to the fact that you can't just get a good quarterback, stick him in an absolute dump of a team and expect them to perform anything other than below average. Then we come on to the first NFC East team, but not the last, as the Philadelphia Eagles bite the dust, and they probably deserved it following their cowardly tie to go onto a, a tie with the Cincinnati Bengals. Carson Wentz played like shit and may not be still there next year, and Doug Peterson may end up leaving the organization too. Well, we'll come to you later, Doug. <laughs> following on. The Cincinnati Bengals, who it looked like might have a, a promising little season, but that was all kiboshed by the um, disarticulation of Joe Burrow's knee. So, again, while this year was a bit of a shitter, let's be honest, there's, uh, you know, sunlit uplands on the way. Next the Detroit Lions, who have been basically out of the playoffs for the last 50 years. Nobody missed them. Nobody cared. Nobody noticed. Goodbye, Detroit. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Carolina Panthers, a team that I think everyone wanted desperately to like, and still do, I think. But it'd be nice if they didn't lose 11 games. Um... Still, I'm still a Teddy Bridgewater stan. Uh, I think Matt Rule's great. All you need to know. Then we come on to the Denver Broncos, who, if it wasn't for losing all of their wide receivers, losing all quarterback talent, uh, most of their defense, basically everyone that they had that had any semblance of talent and being left with Drew Locke, they might have made something of the year. Sadly, no dice. But you did give us the craziest moment in NFL history where a wide receiver started at quarterback. Yeah, we can all appreciate it. Uh, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys, who, even though Dak left the season very early with a horrible injury, still managed to look like not the worst team in the NFC East. Who'd have thunk it? Andy Dalton can sometimes do things. It wouldn't count on it, though. <laughs> Next we come to Sam's New York Giants, and let me tell you, come on, those boys in blue. As we'll come on to, they were beaten by the tank. But regardless of the tank, you lose 10 games on the year, you probably shouldn't make the playoffs. They are the third and final NFC East team to be eliminated. We bid them goodbye. Good riddance, NFC East. <laughs> uh, the San Francisco 49ers, who I'd expect, you know, a 6-10 and 10 record from a team with, uh, I think, a, you know, prodigious talent at head coach with an absolute black hole of talent on their roster. Uh... They made absolutely no impression on me throughout the year. Put them in the bed. Then we come to the Los Angeles Chargers, who recently just announced that they were firing uh, Anthony Lynn. I have lambasted them throughout the year for their cowardly, horrendous play calling, but they do have upside as Justin Herbert 
is probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. We'll talk about that on Friday's show. And let me tell you, are the Chargers a team to root for next season? No. Probably not. Nobody else will root for them either. But But are they the team to root for the season after that? No. Also no. (laughs) Uh, the, the, The West Coast Texans is what I call them. Um, <laughs> moving on to the New England Patriots, um, seven and nine, finally, kind of bumped off their top spot in the the AFC East after nearly two decades of domination, um, and no one could be happier. Um, you know, ever everyone loves it. Um, Cam Newton was enjoyable sometimes, but apart from that, they looked like an absolute shit out of a team. Um, suck it, Bill. Then we come on to Ed's Purple People Eaters, who <laughs> sadly didn't eat very many people this year as Kirk Cousins started the year poorly. Then Ed claims he has an MVP level season. Then Dalvin Cook had an MVP level season. And then apparently Harrison Smith was Defensive Player of the Year and Eric Hendricks was a pro bowler. And despite all of that, they won seven games. Ed can protest outrageous ref ball, but we all know the real meaning and the true colours of the Purple People Eaters. Garbage. (laughs) Their colour is garbage. On to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um... A team that we very easily could have seen in the in the playoffs, um, and I'm sure some people will be disappointed not to see them there. But when your defense is that bad, you don't deserve it. Uh, I thought they looked better with Mariota. Um, they've got Henry Ruggs now, which is cool. Uh, but that's about it. Oh, also, Josh Jacobs got a DUI. <laughs> So that might not be going their way. <laughs> oh. Then the Arizona Cardinals, who finished with an 8-8 and record, and despite not having a record that would suggest they would miss out, uh, in, the, in the real crunch time moment where they could have eliminated the Bears, uh, ended up with Kyler Murray getting hurt, and Cliff Kingsbury proving yet again that he is not actually that great. I was doing some reading up on Cliff Kingsbury, uh, despite having Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, and Kyler Murray as his quarterbacks in his career, he's never won more than eight games in a season. So, look into that, if you will. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> this might be the last year that Larry Fitzgerald plays a first ballot Hall of Famer by all stretches. Let's hope that we get one more year of Laszlo Fitz. <laughs> he's, he's still got his insurance adverts. He'll be fine. He does. Uh, and moving on, lastly, last but certainly not least, the Miami Dolphins, a team who we all wanted to see in the playoffs, let's be honest, but at the end of the day, Brian Flores and their fantastic special teams and defensive plays, fantastic play calling, cannot make up for brute force, which was exemplified by the absolute smacking of them by the Bills. Uh, it's a real shame, but they had a lot of trouble this season. Hopefully Tua can, you know, mature a bit over the off season and they'll come back stronger. 
Yeah, as as the podcast sort of adapted uh, or adopted team, sorry, the Miami Dolphins were affectionately nicknamed the Dolphins, but ten and six doesn't get your playoffs in the AFC, unlike in the NFC. Every day, one man must sit on the floor in some pillows next to a clothing rail in a spare room while his colleagues sit on a comfy bed with appropriate seating. For just £200 in total, we can get this man a chair and a table so that he can podcast in comfort and not need to stretch his groin every week. Please, please pledge as much as you can or as much as you really want to, to this poverty-stricken boy and help him afford a table and chair. Please go to http colon forward slash forward slash www.stiffupperlippod.com forward slash the cleft chinchilla appeal appeal. Thank you, and please donate what you can to this unfortunate boy. Thank you. This has been a message brought to you by the Cleft Chinchilla Appeal Appeal Foundation. If you would like to know more, please visit our website. Thank you. Now, for the teams who season-long exemplified all positive qualities, except one that Sam will talk about, we come to the teams that made it. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. In the AFC, holding the home field advantage and the number one seed. They were sublime all season. Um, the narrative going into the playoffs is that they were good enough to turn on the score against basically every single team that they came up against. But they had more close games than any other team in the playoffs. Keep your eyes on that one for a potential upset with the Chiefs. But congratulations, Kansas City. Congratulations also to the NFC one seed, the Green Bay Packers. We, what what can I say? Aaron Rodgers MVP year. I'm saying it now. Devonte Adams. They've they've just been a shining example in a muddy muddy NFC. Uh, and with a pretty easy wild... Actually, no, they have the bye. It's a very easy wild card round. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. It is. Next, we come on to the Buffalo Bills, who started the season slightly shaky, although Josh Allen made an early start for at least Offensive Player of the Year. Definitely turned it on after a couple years of sort of torrid throwing. Became a real force for them. And so as soon as week 14 rolled around and their defense got healthy and, and was ready to play, the Bills became a formidable offense. And I'm telling you, if any team's going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this year, it is the Buffalo Bills. Mark my words. Be ready to see them in a Super Bowl. 100% in. Uh, the second seed in the NFC, New Orleans Saints. Just We all expect to see them in there at this point. And this season certainly wasn't without its challenges. Taysom Hill behind center for a good portion of it. But they pulled themselves through with some impressive defensive performances. 
And with a wild card first round against the Bears, um, I'll leave you with that to, to do the math there. Next in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who got out to an 11-0 start, have struggled recently with their offense, but they seem to turn it back on in the second half of the Colts game, and we didn't get to see much of them in the Week 17 matchup with Cleveland because they were playing all of their backups. They have the wild card weekend game at home to Cleveland, who struggled to beat them with their second team, but the Pittsburgh Steelers... Early potential candidates for a Super Bowl. Definitely not a one-and-done team as far as I'm concerned, but I don't think that they make it past the Bills. But congratulations, Pittsburgh. You made it. They made it. They certainly did. As did the NFC's three seed, the Seattle Seahawks, who plenty of underwhelming performances this year, but they've got it where it matters. They've got the best quarterback to have on your side in a fourth quarter in the league, in my opinion. Um, still shaky on the defense. They've been a bit shakier on, on <laughs> offense the past few weeks as well. But it doesn't matter. They're in the playoffs. They can figure all that out. Let's uh, fucking... Let's go Seahawks. Then the... Well, early season uh, villains of the podcast, Tennessee Titans... Uh, made their way into the fourth seed. They have one of the worst defensives in the league, but when you have Derek Henry being the eighth man in NFL history to get 2,000 rushing yards, forget what anyone else says, he's the best running back in the league, and Derek Henry is going to power his way forward for the Tennessee Titans. They play the Baltimore Ravens in wildcard weekend, a team that they firmly knocked out last year. That is a spicy game. That's a spicy meatball. Tell you what's not spicy. <laughs> the NFC's fourth seed, Washington football team. The least shit team in the NFC East. They, you know, it was a scrap for a while. The boys in blue couldn't hack it. And this is what came of it. It's certainly, you know, what a story for Alex Smith. Got some, you know... Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, got fucking Chase Young in the playoffs. There's a potential for excitement, even against a towering inferno of a Bucks team. Let's see where it goes. Yes, and as mentioned, in the AFC, the wildcard team, Baltimore Ravens, they snuck into the fifth seed, and they, they turned it on in their last few weeks. It's basically ever since Lamar Jackson uh, got COVID, and then basically... They played the Browns in sort of week 15 and Lamar Jackson went to go take a shit before turning into God. And since he came back out, the Baltimore Ravens are 3-0 and are looking dangerous heading into the playoffs, even though they are uh, also complete bastards. Uh, I know. How long was he holding that shit in for, man? It must have been quite some time. Sort Very of 11 weeks. I mean, you'd hope so, otherwise there's, uh, there's questions to be asked there. Uh, the fifth seed in the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a new lease of life with Tom Brady under center, with all of his weapons, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Gronk is there to 
but they get essentially a free game against the winner of the NFC East. Uh, so th I would bet every ounce of everything that I own that they'll be moving on. I don't like to see it because Tom Brady's an ass, but hey, it happened. Then in the AFC, I mean, it did happen. It definitely did. Uh, what else happened is that the Browns clinched their first playoff berth in 18 years. They played their hearts out, uh, basically couldn't beat really anyone in the AFC North, but did that matter really when it came down to it? No, it didn't. 11-5. and five. Congratulations, Cleveland. You did make it. Um, you probably won't be happy with how everything has gone over the past week but you're there congrats that's what matters uh, and that's also what matters for the LA Rams who despite plenty of un underwhelming performances this year are back into the playoffs with you know a lot of defensive talent and an offense that is there sometimes it was enough to get him there, even, even with John Walford behind center. And, you know, everyone loves an underdog. I don't think you can get much more under than John Walford. Saying that, he looked like an absolute champ. So, take it all the way. Take it all the way, indeed. And finally, wrapping up the AFC we have the seventh seed Indianapolis Colts who finished second in the AFC South. They very nearly clinched the division from the Titans on the final day. Took an overtime win for Tennessee over over the Texans really to get them there. The Colts have at times looked a little shaky. I had question marks about their offense basically all year, but nobody has turned around their season quite like a Mr. Jonathan Taylor running in who, for the first sort of 12 weeks of the year, was playing, to be honest, way below average. Could have been conceived as a bust. But there he is. His last five weeks have been fantastic for Indianapolis. And they will be really hoping to ride his shoulders as an aging Phil Rivers gets another chance in the playoffs. Can he finally win a ring and maybe overtake any of his guys from his draft class as at least the least shit? <laughs> Probably not, but let's continue. <laughs> Two, round off the NFC. Shout out to Emma. It's the Chicago fucking Bears. After a glittering start to the season, a turgid middle, getting Mitchell Trubisky benched for Nick Foles. He finally fucking pulled his socks up and completed some passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Don't know how many, but they were there. And that's all it takes in this NFC. And there we have it. We finally did it. We reached the playoffs. We are done with the NFC, uh, well, the NFL regular season. We are finished watching fucking <laughs> Broncos at Raiders. Oh, it God. It means that... nothing. I every time Red Zone flipped over to Lions Vikings, I was close <laughs> to throwing a bottle at the screen. <laughs> oh, it was 
it was Get a weird week. Bin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, as we sort of touched upon during that rundown, um, there were a few games that basically didn't have any meaning, but it was interesting to see how they would play out uh, going into the next season. You know, for example, the... the I mean, the Chiefs-Chargers game sh- shouldn't have had any meaning. The Chiefs rested all of their players. Uh, the fucking... Seahawks 49ers game like it didn't really have that much bearing because the the Packers beat the Bears I think that this is the least important week of every regular season um, week 17 and yet it always fills with just that little bit of drama Mm, there's enough to there's enough to keep you hanging on there yeah Um, shall we gloss very briefly over the games that didn't matter. Yeah, for example, Lions-Vikings, where the Vikings won the game. The Lions... Yeah. The question mark around the Lions, uh, not only is who goes in there as their head coach, and I think they need a new GM as well. I think both of them have gone. Um, they've interviewed the enemy. They've interviewed Robert Saleh. They have, and they would both be good appointments. I think I'd be leaning more towards Robert Sala right now because they need an actual defensive coach. Their their tackling all season long was atrocious, and it, it contributed to quite mm-hmm. some uh, quite some mistakes. Um, the Lions in this game, in particular, I can't remember who it was that uh, basically forgot to just turn around, but there was a safety for the Lions, and he, he sort of. I don't think he expected Chad Beebe to make the catch. And then <laughs> when he did make the catch, he then just sort of watched him run past him as though he was like, oh, well, this this doesn't mean that I have to work. And that's the sort of thing that I think Robert Sala would improve. I think that Eric mm-hmm. Bieniemy going in there, uh, as much as I would love for him to be a head coach, uh, yeah. I don't think that this is the right team for it. Although, equally... If, you know, depending on the the quarterback situation, Mm -hmm. maybe they'd have, you know, they think they'd get better results still with someone like the enemy at the helm of that. Mm. I disagree. I'd agree with you. I think, you know, getting a defensive coach in there would prove far more fruitful in the long term, but maybe they can't resist the the star power of Eric B. Enemy. Well... This is the thing, and it's it's the the Robert Sala mold, I'd say, for like a head coach for Detroit would be that uh, he's a guy that will get them psyched up. You know, we saw Joe Judge go into New York and at least try and get them at least motivated, and they did turn into a powerhouse defensively um, after a few weeks. They they're lacking in talent, but the heart is there, and that's what the Lions, I think, have missed. And I think that that's where Robert Sala would go in there and he'd get them amped up and he'd probably fucking throw the shoe at whoever <laughs> fucked up a tackle. He'd get them onto the sideline, whip the helmet off and throw it at another fucking defender. Like, this is this is what the Lions need. They need fucking whipping into shape and that is who Robert Sala is. Um, exactly. Moving on. Anyway, the Lions don't deserve any more of our time. No, they uh, don't. The Vikings... Um... Played without Dalvin Cook, unfortunately, due to the passing of his father, was not available for this game, yeah. as I'm sure you'd expect. Yeah. Um, still had uh, a decent rushing performance. Madison put in a decent shift, but as ever, 
Kirk Cousins is only good when it doesn't matter. Yeah, it it, it the pe- the lion the Vikings and Lions game like it's all about what happens next season, and the Vikings need to sort out their their secondary. I know that Ed's going to come in here and he's going to talk about Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, but Harrison Smith's starting to get on, and their cornerbacks are atrocious. I don't care how much he'll he'll rate Jeff Gladney's like tackling ability. His coverage is atrocious. He gets burned on basically every play. Um, the Lions, uh, the Vikings have got to look deeper than this Shanahan offense and just relying on the play action game because yes they have Dalvin Cook and yes Kirk Cousins is accurate in the play action game um but just, they don't they don't have that oomph and and thankfully mm. Justin Jefferson had an absolutely ridiculous season if it wasn't for Justin Herbert playing out of his fucking mind Justin Jefferson would be the offensive be, rookie of the year yeah 100% um but but as we'll talk about on Friday, when Ed is back, um, we will probably get a, a lengthy debate about who is the offensive rookie of the year. Um, uh, so yeah, see you in late 2021, turgid <laughs> purple bastards. Yeah, thankfully we don't have to watch most of these teams again. Um, speaking of a team that I don't have to watch again, Jets Patriots. Jets have fired Adam Gase. We've been calling for it all year. They were actually just playing a bit of a masterstroke and then fucked up their masterstroke um, by winning two games. And then they <laughs> lost against the Patriots. What an inconsequential season for the Jets. This is one that just didn't need to happen. Um, Adam Gase... Awful. I mean, as as Adam Gase's track record will suggest, when he leaves a team, they go on to at least either win a Super Bowl or the quarterback that he was coaching goes on to be comeback player of the year and play maybe, out of his fucking mind. Maybe that's what the Jets were wanting. Maybe. They thought they endure a few years of Adam Gates and then it'll eventually come back around. Yeah. This is this is where I put my uh, my prediction in and I will be putting a bet on it as soon as the odds are available, but the comeback player of the year 2021 is going to be Sam Darnold. I think... I think you're insane. <laughs> I I think comeback player of the year next year is gonna be Dak Prescott mm. taking the Cowboys to the NFC East title. Well, that depends on whether or not the Cowboys re-sign him. I think they will, but anyway, I mean they should. But I mean, yeah, yeah. Moral obligations don't really hold much water in the NFL. No, no, it doesn't. Well, uh, that and the fact that he's an actual good quarterback, and after they've just been watching Andy Dalton like fuck it up for quite some time, they probably don't want that again. <laughs> <laughs> Who would? Um, onward. Yes, onward. Let's, get, let's sweep away some of this shit. Uh, yeah, Big Broncos. It's awful. Turgid, I'm... poor. Yeah, boring. disgusting. Gross. Lock managed a few decent throws. I don't think he's going to be the Broncos starting quarterback next year. Nope. Uh, he doesn't deserve to be, frankly. But this is the thing that always always trips up people. It's uh, teams that are run poorly will stick with people that don't deserve it. For example, the Falcons, Broncos, and I'm going to say them because it will happen 
the Chicago Bears. And what's going to happen is they are going to stick with guys that should not be starters. They they don't deserve to be starters. And they're going to be talking about like, oh, but maybe they'll turn the corner this year or maybe we'll, we'll make improvements or we've got to try harder in certain situations. And then all that will happen is they'll just maintain this level of mediocrity at best performances. And then they'll repeat the cycle every year. It, what, it's what happened to the Falcons under Dan Quinn. They were like, oh, maybe they'll get better the next year. And they didn't. They got worse every year. And the Broncos are going to stick by Drew Locke, I think. Yeah. Uh, hopefully Jerry Judy improves next year. He's had a few... Well, he's had a lot of drops this year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of talent. But keep keep your head together, son. Mm. Yeah, and and it'll also help them getting Cortland Sutton back. He missed the entire yeah, season. Yeah. Like he, he was only meant to be out for week one, and then... Week two rolled around and he tore his ACL, so like he was he was done for the year. Mm. Um, that's that's one to keep your eye on. Raiders just get a better defense, you'll be fine. Offens- <laughs> offensively, they were they were perfectly fine. They should have won more games, but they didn't because their defense let them down in basically every situation. Do you think that will ever not be the case with John Gruden? Uh, well, it was it was their defensive coordinator that they fired halfway through the year that um, I think was the main issue because they they didn't have anything. I don't think that they've drafted particularly well, especially on defense. Like for example, fucking Clelin Farrell, <laughs> absolutely no chance. Is he a is he a top rushing prospect? Uh, like edge rusher prospect? No chance. Then Jonathan Abrams is good, but he's hurt all the time. He can't really help that. But yeah, yeah. It's it's rough. It's rough to be a Raiders fan yeah. right now because you can, you you don't can only know. make so many excuses. Yeah, um, I do have to say though. Hopefully next season we'll get to see some fans in Allegiant Stadium because I'm excited to see how the oh, how the Las Vegas it. crowd responds to them. Hopefully, Hopefully with, with mild disinterest, like <laughs> everyone in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Seen it all before, man. We have. Um, okay. Another team with mild disinterest is the uh, Chiefs Chargers game, specifically the Chargers. Uh, as we mentioned, Justin Herbert, great guy going forward, and Anthony Lynn was fired recently. This game meant nothing for the Chiefs. They were resting players. Uh, yeah. But the Chargers came out with a win. It, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. End the season with four wins. I thought it might have been enough to keep Anthony Lynn, but I think it's the right decision letting him go. Well, this is the thing. Like, I thought the exact same thing when they when they went on this little winning streak. I was like, no, don't do a Falcons, don't do a Falcons, and then they actually chose to just get rid of the problem. I thought they'd be a bit more sentimental than that, especially with how Justin Herbert's developing. I thought they wouldn't have the gumption, but you know, the guy's gonna find a new home. One of the most well-loved people in the league. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's not cry for Anthony Lynn and his terrible play calling. Yeah, we can. he can always go and be like a fucking... He can be a coach in any position, 100%. Absolutely. Just don't let him call plays. Be a GM, yeah. Anthony. Get a, get a spray ball. He takes one look at that playbook. Psst. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anthony. Psst. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, other inconsequential games. I mean, I mean, I think that's about it for the 
purely inconsequential ones. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, we... Oh, no, Buccaneers Falcons, because the Bucks had already wrapped up the fifth seed. Um, this game was actually quite no, fun. It was quite competitive up to a point, um, and then the Bucks got, was it, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, up until then, it was just kind of, you know, run and gun, shoot out, you know, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, um, which it was certainly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to be seeing this Bucks team in the in the playoffs. Bad news for the for the Buccaneers happened during this game in that Mike Evans seemed to Ooh, oh, yeah. he seemed to sort of land poorly on his on his knee and it sort of slipped out from underneath him and buckled. Um, yeah. And they showed him like trying to put weight on it and he, he he immediately had it crumple from underneath him. So I think he may end up missing the rest of the uh, yeah, rest of the playoffs, said, which is going to be. They said that they were hoping that it wasn't serious, but that was prior to any examination, I believe. Yeah, that's so, just blind hope at that yeah, point. And, I yeah. can I can only hope because he's a very exciting player to watch. Obviously, you know, a shining star on that books team and has been since he came in. But mm-hmm. you know, here's what it is. Tom Brady certainly won't be short on, you know, receivers. Even well, then. yeah, because Chris Godwin had uh, a touchdown, and then a second one was very nearly complete as well. He just couldn't get his feet down. Uh, Antonio Brown seems to have rekindled at least 2017 level form, which is going to be very crucial for the Buccaneers because mm-hmm. when they took the punt on Antonio Brown, it was it was based off of his previous goings in terms of his in terms of his talent um and he seems to be reconnecting on that front did you hear the stat about him getting um his incentives by completing three oh yeah like very short shovel passes right at the yep. end of the game you know I, tom brady is a dick but he's a guy that clearly looks out for his teammates it's well, probably the reason why he is one of well the most successful quarterback in nfl history I don't. I think that's being quite generous to him. I think he likes Antonio Brown for whatever reason. You know, obviously it'll have impressed on him somehow in his time at New England. But I think just that little bit of like, eh, he makes catches for me. Get him that bonus. I think that was all. Uh, yeah, but like there, there has to be something to it, and I mean, there was a similar situation in Seattle with DJ Moore getting. I think he he made thirty five catches on the year. Yeah, but... uh, to get his you know hundred k bonus, which Russell Wilson was happy to oblige, uh, much to Pete Carroll's chagrin, it seemed. Uh, but. Maybe you know. Maybe it's just how I perceive Tom Brady because I very much thought Russell Wilson was a you know a solid guy for that. Um, and now you're and arguing the point that Tom Brady perhaps is is less of a solid guy for doing I the think, same thing. Well, no, I think the act is the same, but I just have absolutely no faith that Tom Brady is anything but a bastard. <laughs> okay, he doesn't deserve any good faith. Um, but I'll tell you what. I deserve a beer. Are you going to go get a beer? I'm going to go get a beer. Okay. Do you want me to rattle through a game while you go? 
yeah, if there's any shitters left, then uh, you know, hmm. plunge them down. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk Rams uh, Cardinals. Um, the Rams Cardinals game had a lot of playoff implications in the sense that if the Bears lost and the Cardinals won, then the Cardinals would sneak that seventh seed. If the Cardinals lost, then it didn't matter what the Bears did. And if the Bears lost and the oh sorry, if the Bears won and the Cardinals won, then uh, the Rams would end up in the seventh seed as well. This game was, in fact, no, I think that the Rams would have ended up outside of the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that one. I think that the Rams could have ended up missing out entirely based off of a Bears and Cardinals win. Sadly, though, that didn't end up happening, um, and the Cardinals lost. Uh, Kyler Murray very quickly and then the Rams lost Jared Goff very quickly and what we were left with was John Walford versus um, uh, yeah so when when the Rams lost Jared Goff they uh, ended up with they ended up with John Walford and the Cardinals ended up with Chris Streveler who you, you may not really have known about but Chris Streveler was a ooh, where did he come from he so Chris Streveler was in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, he then ends up in Arizona as a backup, and, and there he was, he, throwing passes. Didn't do a very good job. John Wolford did a lot better than him. Um, and then Kyler Murray came back in, and despite having a leg injury, Cliff Kingsbury ran an option play on a fourth down, and it was just, okay... Maybe maybe this Cardinals team uh, should have done a lot better, especially in this game. They've had a couple of defeats that they definitely will not be happy with in the slightest. Um, this one is absolutely one of them. They had a great chance to go and take that seventh seed and push into the playoffs and, and get in there. But unfortunately, they didn't have the bottle, really. So, congratulations, Cardinals. You are eliminated, as we discussed earlier on. Um, and, yeah, awful, awful loss. Good win for the Rams. Um, they'll be happy with the defensive performance that they put in. But, again, I just don't I don't trust the Rams offensively. Um, running back core is a bit eh. And uh, Jared Goff, I don't believe, is a competent quarterback i think that he is a scheme guy at best and anyone that puts him in form of any upper echelon of quarterback or even the middle tier is clearly overvaluing his play because he is a low tier quarterback at best i think that that is sam back i certainly agree with your assessment of jared goff uh i think very much the benefit, well, to the benefit of, you know, good play calling, good coaching. Um, I think John Wolford looked pretty great. He did <laughs> actually look, yeah. Working in finance. <laughs> but yeah. made some good plays with his legs. There were a few, you know, shaky spots where maybe held onto the ball a bit long. Or, you know, which I think is fair. Uh, I was surprised that they brought him in at all, but I, I think he did a good job. Is uh, is Goff expected to start? 
I have no idea, but if I was Sean McVeigh, I'd probably not be asked. Yeah, I think they can do just as much with, with John Wolford, to be fair. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't think we'll be talking about the Rams for that much longer. No. Moving on swiftly um, to another game that I think wasn't all that interesting, really. Uh, Bengals-Ravens was just a fucking shitstormer from from Lamar Jackson, just piling Mm, it up on the Bengals. Absolute domination. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We basically saw it coming, but it it will be great for Lamar Jackson to get that confidence underneath him. And also, Marquise Brown actually ended up having some good catches on the day, which... I mean, is a first for this season because he's fucking awful all year. Uh, but he actually finally repaid them for using them soul jazz. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, we've been waiting for Marquis Brown to do anything of note. I was gonna about midway through the season. Uh, kept trying to bring up on the pod that they should change his name to something less glamorous, like Marquis Rotherham Brown. <laughs> just because he didn't really deserve the moniker, uh, but made made those plays where it mattered today. He did. Um, Ravens' defense played well, but it was against Brandon Allen. I don't know how much you can look into it. The, mm. I feel it feels like playing the Bengals minus Joe Burrow uh, is only a test for your offense because they have an all right defense. Yeah, but their their offense is not good. No. Um, did you 525 yards uh, for the Ravens this game? Did you see how much of that was rushing? Uh, I did not, but I know this absolutely ridiculous stat that is that the Ravens have got, I think, 80 more yards over the last five games on the ground than the Pittsburgh Steelers have had all year. Yeah. Um, Which to me sounds like stat padding. Yeah, 404 rushing yards in yeah. that game against the Bengals, which is truly insane. It's insane, um, but uh, you're expected to run all over the Bengals. Like, just, just sure. It burns yeah, clock. I, I mean, guess. I, I, I think the, I think the Ravens are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL right now yeah. as they're playing. They've got their groove back. Don't know what happened, you know, midway through the season where they kind of fell apart, but I think they're back on the tracks. I am very excited for that Ravens Titans game. I think it'll be a good game, and I think um, it'll, like I say, do them a lot of confidence. I think they're incredibly dangerous because it's going to be hard to actually get the ball off of them once they are ahead. But if you yeah. can get ahead of the Ravens, then they are. Yeah, Quite they're not an really open team in that sense. Yeah, they're not built to come back. No, they're from... built to extend, extend and run up scores. And like, if they get ahead, then you're not catching them. They will turn yeah. it into a shootout if they have to. But yeah, it it it's going to be very interesting because this is going to be a Titans team that is one of the worst. Like they are the worst pass defense, I think, outside of the Seahawks left in the playoffs and they are the worst run defense in the playoffs that are left so this is going to be a fucking mental game i think yeah i mean equally when derrick henry and ryan Tannehill uh have got brown back massive kind of deep threat yeah um when the offense is just that good 
I don't think you can count them out of any game, no. regardless of how <laughs> woeful and porous that defense is. Mm-hmm. When there's that much, you know, when the scales tip that far onto offense, it, it's always going to be a factor. Well, this is the thing, and and shall we move over to Texans-Titans? Because that game ended up in overtime and something that nobody would have actually seen coming. Um, <laughs> and it just feels to me like I, I 100% agree with you in the fact that you cannot count the Titans out in any game. Um but it just feels like if you get if you get hauled to overtime by the tight by like the well, it didn't go to overtime, but they went fucking close. Didn't I thought it did no. go into overtime? No, maybe I've just missed that. Um, yeah, it it just always feels like this team is is waiting for a last score. Like they will probably get it, but it just yeah. always feels like. They make it really fucking hard on themselves. Yeah. They give the offense a lot of work to do. Thankfully, it's an offense that can sometimes do that work. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the closing kind of, I think with about 30 seconds left to play, the Texans mm-hmm. kicked a field goal to draw it 38-38. And then the Titans had the ball at 25, 15 seconds left, Seconds left, two timeouts, um, an absolute like fifty-yard bomb downfield from Ryan Tannehill, yeah, uh, and then just kicked field goal. Although it did, <laughs> the field goal did go off the upright and in. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who the Texans' kicker is now. Not the Texans. I can't remember who the Titans. Stephen Goskowski. It's not. He was out. Oh, was uh, he out? Sam Sloman. Ugh. Yeah, um, who, you know, he scored two two field goals, he scored five or five extra points. Um, he had a great game, but it made it a little bit dicey. <laughs> yeah. About an inch away from fucking stuffing him. See, maybe this is the thing. Maybe it's just that we're all looking into it far too much because you do also have to show that metal to actually win games in, exactly. in close situations, and they do have an absolutely ridiculous offense um ma- namely being Derrick Henry. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has played absolutely out of this world as well uh, oh, since yeah. going to the you Titans. Know, 40 but... touchdown year, a renewed kind of I mean, is is he a veteran at this point? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. He's, How long has he been in the league? Uh I think it's since 2014 perhaps. Ryan yeah, like Tannehill. 6 7 years. So yeah. most of it was completely inconsequential, though. Cause yeah, and then for whatever reason, twenty twelve, he's thirty two years old. Good God! I mean, you know, get that bread, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, you deserve it, dude. Yeah, uh, you know, a massive, massive reason why the the Titans are here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I am so excited for Ravens Titans. Yes. Um... Seahawks 49ers had some playoff in uh, input, but it didn't really come for anything because the Packers won. So we can we yeah. can clear it off quite easily. It almost came down to a 49ers win. Um, they were almost. leading nine to six. I I don't know what happened to the Seahawks. They seem to have gone from absolutely like porous defense, but Russell Wilson slinging it for 400 yards a game to 
Yeah, like, completely the other way. Simmering gently on offense until like maybe getting some kind of break. It just, it feels like they ran out of steam, and their defense has sort of stepped up. Um, but I don't trust them against the team that can actually throw. Yeah, which is you know they're going to be playing against the uh, who are they playing again from the who is the six seed in the. Uh, the sixth seed is, I believe... Oh, it's the Rams. Ooh, that could yeah. be interesting then. Because the so, Rams oh. don't really throw. No. Especially not with John Wolford. <laughs> not or Jared Goff. Like, I, think I heard kind of rumblings that he might play, but he only had surgery a few days ago. So I, I guess we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, I, I've seen no... Put Blake Bortles in. Fuck it. <laughs> the darkest timeline. Yeah, Blake Bortles has won a playoff game by scoring like five touchdowns. He's he's allowed to do this. Hey, the, the he's got the ceiling. He does evidently. He 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 does also have the floor, which he hit quite a lot of times. <laughs> but <laughs> that ceiling yeah. is there. Yeah, I think he went below sea level a bit in uh, in Jacksonville, but you know. Um, okay, where next? Uh, Panthers-Saints, again, for the same reason as the Seahawks game. The Saints didn't have this one get anywhere near as close as the Seahawks did. Uh, They beat the Panthers quite convincingly. Thoroughly in control for the entirety of this game. Yeah. Um, If it wasn't for the fact that um, Alvin Kamara uh, didn't really come back from an injury or anything and that Alex Smith is the undoubted comeback player of the year... Um, he to me, based off of his performances last year, which were subpar, to be putting in an offensive player of the year candidate level year, um, it, he deserves at least some kind of credit. Yeah. I don't know how much he'll get via rewards or anything, but he's the Saints MVP of the year for, for oh, fucking hundred percent. Certainly. Um, I mean, if it was an Alex Smithless year, then I'm sure he'd be in the conversation. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, um, the Panthers shot the bed. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, wasn't looking good through two interceptions. Um, so you know, why not throw PJ Walker in? Um, because he threw three interceptions. <laughs> That's why you don't throw PJ Walker. Yeah. Um, so, don't know where Panthers are going to go QB wise this off season. It'd be nice seeing them with a rookie and Teddy there to you know shore them up. Mm. But I, I don't think they can go into another season with Teddy Bridgewater as starting QB. No, we we do all like Teddy Bridgewater and uh, love him to death. He he does clearly have ability, and I do think that he would be a great guy to have around as your second. Yeah, um, yeah. But him starting games for a for a Panthers team that will try and look to contend next year, I think. Um, I mean, it hasn't helped them this year not having CMC, uh, who missed basically the entire year. But at the same time. Teddy Bridgewater has has been their downfall on quite a few times, and this game was unfortunately one of them. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier on in the year, I do think that they are the best openly rebuilding team in the NFL. 
because they have so much potential there. And my defensive oh, rookie yeah. of the year, again, had it had it not been Chase Young's mad heroics late on in the year, would have been Jeremy Chin for the entire season. But um, the Panthers have got a lot to build off of. Um, yeah, no one, you know, I, I can't imagine any Panthers fans being dejected about where they found themselves this season. You know, in terms of where the organization's going, the, the only way is up. Really, I yes. think they're on a they're on a roller coaster ride. They are indeed. Um, shall we wrap up the NFC and get uh, Bears Packers out of the way before turning on to your two games of contention? <sighs> uh, yeah, Bears Let's Packers. The Bears pretty much shot the bed against the Packers, but uh, as Emma will try and claim being within a score of a undeniably great team is apparently fucking great it's not it's fine um the bears uh, i i said quite some time ago that i didn't want to see them anymore i guess i now have to see them again i just i i yeah. can't wait i mean i guess I being within a score being within a score of a great team up until the fourth quarter where you then <laughs> like let them put up 14 unanswered points yeah i don't think it's much to write home about and it's... i think if if you're a bears fan trying to make something of this performance then i think you're clutching at straws you are and i think yeah the 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 the, the point that i wanted to sort of elaborate on which I, I don't remember if i did last week but if i didn't then cool because uh, I I threw them into the conversation with the Broncos and Falcons of organizations that haven't been run well, who are now going to get stuck yeah. in this like rut of continually having like a little bit of hope to be like, oh, maybe they've turned a corner yeah. and then maybe we won't pop- have to sort this out. Yeah, but unfortunately they will. Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Bears made it to the playoffs and uh, Cody Parkey double doinked and then they yeah. spent an entire offseason hunting for kickers and then they were absolutely garbage last year? <laughs> and then this year they came into it and were absolutely garbage for six games. Yeah, like, I mean... It feels like that again. It feels like we've just done all of two years ago's off-season again last year and now this year, and we're going to do it again this coming season where, oh, but Mitch Trubisky might end up being the answer because, like, oh, he turned it on for four games against bad teams. Yeah. And there's certainly upsides to this, you know. David Montgomery, I think, has cemented himself as, like, a good running back. Mm, He's fine. He's, he's, He's... he has played better, but you've got to remember that in one of the games that, well, one of the only games that he's had any impact in for his career came against the one and fucking fourteen Jags. Like this is true. Um, so maybe we shouldn't lend too much credence to it. Where do you see a, a kind of, if we wanted to paint a good picture for all those Chicago fans out there, what would you kind of, what would you say? I'd say, like, forward. the thing about Chicago sports at the moment is that uh, all of the teams are incredibly uh, average, but they have high ceilings and they have low floors, and they they bottom out at the middle. And I know this because I follow the Cubs and White Sox, who have done the exact same thing last year and are probably set to do the exact same thing this year. I follow the Bulls, 
who <laughs> are currently doing the exact same thing as what the bears have just done. And then I have to follow the bears because of this. And it's like all of Chicago sports is in this weird middle ground where they've been, all of the teams have been so bad apart from like one glory year or one glory era. Um, that now like any form of hope or success like immediately lends yourself to hope and you're allowed to have that hope but at the same time like you've got to be smart about it and I don't think that Ryan Pace and a lot of the Bears support are going to be smart yeah. about it they're going to be like oh but our problems are fine we'll go like 10 and 6 next year and make the playoffs again and it's like well the only problem is is that like Mitchell Trubisky won't get you there yeah. Get a well, new even if even if they did, even if they like miraculously managed to make a deep playoff run, yeah, where does that get you? It'll just be one aberration from uh, another season of mediocrity. Well, and, this is the thing. Like, like... It, I think it just has to be a clean house rebuild. There's there's not enough at so many positions to really you know build a team that can last yeah i think defensively as well like they 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 sort of they took defensively a step... they get far more credit than they were <laughs> defensively they took a step back last season and they never really got that step forward again this yeah they year. never kind of regained that. um they played incredibly well and obviously like i'm always going to be happy for like khalil mack and and uh fucking Jones up the middle. Uh, oh, wait, <laughs> wait, hang on. I'm fucking. I, I mean, I'm gonna be happy for Mac and like they they have a great front seven and like yeah. their linebackers and like Eddie Jackson is like a very good safety. It just feels like they they're missing something yeah. defensively that turns them into like because the Patriots well, under Brady for a couple of his years he didn't play all that great, but yeah. they had this unbelievable defense that dragged them to the uh, like to the postseason or say for example the rams a couple years ago they weren't great offensively but they had this defense or the 49ers last year i never really see that with the bears defense i see that it doesn't you know if a team's you know playing at soldier field it's not the formidable kind of you know task that it should be it's kind of you know they're a perfectly average defense really i'm actually they have a lot of people that can uh, theoretically build that up and make big plays when it matters, but they don't have the the kind of stalwart defense that their identity is based on. Yeah, and like like I say, you are entitled to be happy, Chicago, and I'm I'm happy for you because oh, we all are. I like Chicago. I am, as I've mentioned, I'm a big fan of basically every other Chicago sports team, except the White Sox. I don't really like the White Sox, but I'm like, I'm a Blackhawks fan, I'm a Bulls fan, I'm a Cubs fan. I don't I just, follow I just can't... any Chicago sports other than the NFL, but I do like deep dish pie. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it like. <laughs> I just don't. I agree with you. I think that they need to. They need to go full rebuild, and I, I'm sick of as well. Like, I, this is this is less of a uh, team standpoint, and this is more of a fan base point. Um, I'm sick of every time that any journalist 
makes a slightly misguided prediction or say for example if they were right like most guys were when the team gets out to like a 3 and 0 start they just start harassing them oh. like i get it adam grant uh or fucking whatever his name is fucking i there's a guy from fucking uh nfl.com and he does all the fantasy football stuff and he he made a prediction that the bears were going to go like 7 and 9 and the bears fans were like oh we're 3 and 0 though like we're doing great oh we're 4 and 0 like you fucking suck go die and it's like well no and then they ended up in a losing record and it's like well are you going to apologize to this guy now for sending him death threats or are you just going to fucking sit in your fucking oh just it pisses me off whenever fan bases the, do it and the, the bears fan base does it a lot the Stiffer Pullet podcast disavows any and all death threats and, by extension, any and all fans of Chicago teams. No, we don't. We don't disavow like any <laughs> any fans of any team. Like you're allowed to be a passionate fan and you're allowed to like have a bit yeah. of a joke. Like don't, teams, don't te- be a twat. Yeah, teams this year made it a bit of a tradition where whenever like all of the experts uh, who aren't experts, by the way, nobody's an expert. Just they, talking heads. Yeah, just all they are is just media people talking heads, etc. You Colin Cowherds, you fucking Stephen A. Smiths, etc. Awful, awful people. Um, <laughs> but they made it a bit of a tradition where whenever like all of them would predict them to lose, the Giants they went. Would... The Giants leaned into this a lot this year. The Bengals like, did it as well. Screenshots after games of like oopsie looks like someone got it wrong yeah and it's like well yeah that's how fucking fucking... sports works shut the fuck up you morons you're five and nine stop get off twitter the fucking the bengals tried doing it before the steelers game and it was like yeah you you, oh yeah (laughs) they they tweeted a picture of uh of one of their guys from like 2003 like shining his boot with the terrible towel and they put like the shifty eyes and then uh that that still came from the game in which Kimo Van Olhoffen broke Carson Palmer's leg and the Steelers won, and then all of a sudden they just didn't tweet after it. And it's like if you're gonna make like these really stupid Twitter takes, like don't be so fucking dumb with it. Like oh, okay. just we we we've we we've fell been in a rabbit hole. Course. We have. This is exactly what I thought would happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That, I think we're done discussing Packers, but... <laughs> yeah, we are. Come on, let's, um, let's get your fucking bone of contentions Packers, out of the way. I will say Packers were great. Marquez Valdez-Scantling dropped a pass. Maybe one of the worst drops I've seen it's in my there. time watching it's, football. It's top five uh, for me. Uh, it was what, a 50, 60, 70-yard pass. Maybe not that far. Probably 50. Maybe yeah, fifty. Um, and the look on Aaron Rodgers' face after he dropped <laughs> that pass, I thought he was gonna throttle him. Get Alan Lazard in more. Get Alan, goddamn Lazard in there. The man's got safe him. hands. He's there when you need him. You can trust him. Anyway, moving let's on. Let's move on to Giants the Cowboys football. The NFC East. Um, Giants Cowboys. This game, I I was really pleased with the Giants for like a good portion of it. And there were just, in the second half, like they kind of petered out on both sides of the ball. 
Um, the first half was a great performance, I think, bar obviously that kind of fumbled handoff between Daniel Jones and Wayne Gorman. I don't know whose fault that was, but it was fucking atrocious. Yeah. It summed up the Giants' season to it's, me. It's such basic stuff. Like, you can't... And it was on, like, a 25-yard line. Like, come on, man. I don't know. I don't know what can remedy that. Although, I think, you know, when you've got these kind of stupid mistakes happening in games, I think that Joe Judge is a pretty good person to have. To iron them out? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wayne Gorman again fumbled the ball late in the game, which miraculously uh, kind of got called as a recovery for the Giants. Um, there was a bit of a trend this 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 uh, game week where teams would well players would sort of not have possession of the ball, but they'd sit on the ball and then they would suddenly have possession according to the refs. But yeah, there was no definitive recovery but they would just immediately be like well he sat on it that counts yeah Yeah. um but yeah the the first half like the defense was great leonard williams had a great day again he's been fantastic this year um daniel jones even looked good evan engram dropped a horrible pass well the drop was horrible daniel jones's pass was on fucking point and it sailed off for a sailed off his shoulder for a cowboys inception i genuinely think that like evan ingram cost the giants three wins this year and the giants ended up winning this one so this game doesn't even count but he cost yeah. them three wins he's, he's this had year. some bad kind of drops and How throws he that he has to have made I, uh, it's <sighs> because uh, you know Public votes when you're a New York team. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, um, th- I will say there were some there were some uh, dodgy calls this game. Um, there was especially kind of late in the game the the play that got us the yardage for the field goal that managed to kind of tip us over the edge came from a, I think maybe. 15 20 yard pass that was dropped it hit the ground yeah it shouldn't have stood and mike mccarthy just decided not to challenge it <laughs> for whatever reason um don't know why glad he didn't but you know here we are um yeah uh, i don't i don't know don't know what else to say Okay, I don't have anything else to add about this one either. Uh, This game ultimately didn't matter, though, because of what happened in Philadelphia as the Washington football team wrapped up their playoff performances. um, The Eagles had a chance to come back, and then suddenly Doug Invertebrate Peterson just, just fucking openly tanked and it was one of the most jarring tankings I've ever seen like second quarter and they decided for the second half to bring on is it Nate Sudfeld Nate Sudfeld Nate Sudfeld to get a look at him you know to get a look at him when you've got Jalen Hurts you've managed to pick from the rough after Carson Wentz failed you just just throw throw Nate Sudfeld in uh you know take a look at him 
Uh, it's not like you'll have gotten a look in the three years that he's been on your roster. I don't understand. Like, they said that this was the plan, you know, all along. Their offensive coach said that, you know, it was always the plan to put Sudfeld in for the second half. You're three points down. What does this game? Like, Jalen Hurts didn't look great, but he gives you a much better fucking chance three points down than Nate Sudfeld does. It was a horrid game. Yeah, he did. He looks awful. And it wasn't just the uh, the putting in of Nate Sudfeld. It was the it was the play calling around it. Like, for example, when they were down and they needed sort of to get the first down and they're, I think it's like inside the two minute warning and they're calling like short dink and dunk throws and he's missing them because he's not very good and you should have known this because he's been on your roster for three years and like he's executing them and when he does execute them, they're obviously getting tackled in the midfield because... It, it, it's in the midfield and you don't have any timeouts left. Like, why are you doing this? What was the point? Because he's doing this because Doug Pedersen is a gutless hack. Yeah. Um it it just it was it was just quite poor and Chris Collinsworth, like I've I have had a lot of bad words to say about Chris Collinsworth in the past because I think he's a fucking dud of a call like of an analyst and I think that he ruins the duo of Michael's and Collinsworth, 100%. Al Michaels is one of the best play-by-play guys in the league, and Chris Collinsworth is a hack. Um, yeah. But he ripped into Doug Peterson, and it was the most I've ever agreed with Chris Collinsworth, ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there were a lot of Giants fans after this game saying that they intentionally tanked to screw the Giants out of a playoff place. And, you know, I understand the sentiment, but if we'd have gotten to the playoffs because Washington lost this game had the Eagles actually tried to win it, then it would have been hollow. We've not had a good season. You don't want to be in the playoffs and just lose the books in the first round. It gains us nothing. It's just an inflated sense of ego that we'd achieve and nothing more. If you think that you're the real victim here, then you are completely lost. I agree entirely with that. I'm, I loathe Doug Peterson, but only because he's a coward. Yeah, I hate I hate cowardly play calls in the NFL, and I hate like stupid play calls as well. Like it's just keep it simple, and also try and win. Like don't don't purposefully fuck it, especially with your play calling, and especially with your like personnel choices. Just try and win it. Yeah, that it's not too much to ask. Like. And this is why I had a problem with the Eagles from like week four onwards because they fucking purposefully threw yeah. a chance to beat the Bengals. Like, what was the, what did that achieve? Cowardly play calling again. Doug Peterson might be the worst Super Bowl winning head coach in NFL history, and I'm going to say this right now because he has been a complete coward who sits behind like, oh, but it's the right analytical thing to do. Like when he goes for two, when it's a clear, obvious chance that he can maybe go to overtime, and he hides behind the injuries that he's got. But there's clearly organizational issues, and Doug Peterson is unfortunately one of them. He's a fucking ringworm on the NFL right yeah. now. I'll tell you what he is, Tom. He's our bastard of the week. He's our bastard of the week, and there we go. Fucking Thank lock you. him up. Get Throw him away in the there. key. Bang! Doug Peterson, you're the bastard you're of the week, you fucking dick. 
And I, um, I do agree, the Giants didn't deserve to win it. And it, it, like, if you'd won a game that wasn't a fucking NFC East game, then maybe you'd have probably had a chance. But, like, and Washington did deserve it. They played well yeah, for the season when they had the whole, Alex Smith. Yeah, on the whole, they had, you know, better performances, especially defensively. Like, obviously, it wasn't that consistent, but at some points, they just looked great. Yeah. And, you know, massive performances from, you know, I mean, Kind of from Alex Smith. <laughs> yeah, Alex Smith, like, like, after the first couple of weeks where he had that rust, he played really well all year. Yeah, like, this is a this is a Comeback Player of the Year award, which he will be getting. He will. We'll get onto that next 100%. week in detail. Yeah. But, like, it's it, he fucking deserves it, man. Like, anyway, that's for next week. One, Do one, we have other games to discuss? Well, one quick uh, extra point for... Uh, the Eagles as a whole might end up as my bastard of the week, uh, not Ooh. just Doug Peterson. Is um, I sent a link to Sam. Did you yes, watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. Um, uh, it was an Eagles lineman. Yeah, I don't. I remember. don't know who. Yeah, I unfortunately don't know the name of this particular Eagles lineman. But there was a uh, there was an offsides called on an Eagles lineman, um, and he's like charged forward into the line because I mean offsides happen all the time sometimes neutral zone infractions happen you make an early jump that's fine what he then did after like two seconds of like waiting is when he saw an opening to go after Alex Smith's broken leg the very same leg that he just came back from having like an unbelievably scary brace the most horrific looking leg break I've seen and also potentially a gangrenous infection that almost killed him is he then rushed forward and tried to like launch at his leg again and it just it boggles the mind the level of complete like the cowardliness from all of the eagles in this game alone puts them as my bastard of the week but doug peterson for his personnel choices and play calling and that one particular lineman have exemplified every reason why I hate the Philadelphia Eagles as an organization. Whenever anyone tries to tell me that, like, there are teams worse than them, I always think Browns and Eagles are the two worst teams, franchises, organizations, fan bases, everything in the NFL. They both uh, suck. Pima Gill, the defensive tackle that uh, encroached and immediately went for Alex Smith's leg. But yeah, anyway. Go Let's gloss over both the Eagles and Tom's deeply ingrained hatred of the Browns. Let's gloss over it because what? it's the postseason. We it don't have we don't we don't need these petty squabbles anymore. It's the elite. This is yeah. a dinner party. It is. You know, um, it's there's fucking canapes, champagne. Let's not. You know, we don't need to be wrestling in the mud. <laughs> that time is gone. We we have two games left. Um, one. Well, I was going to say we can. We may as well get Brown Steelers out of the way because Brown Steelers. Like it was the Steelers backups against the Browns A team, and they just barely squeaked it out. It was. It was. This was a game where uh, I have never felt so relieved coming off of a loss in my life um, yeah we what we saw out there from the browns and steelers game was the browns had to rely on uh tricky play calls and 
some very, very heinous blown calls as well from referees to squeak. I, I saw your, to I saw your pass interference uh, claims. I did have a look at a couple of them. Squeak. I, I didn't agree with many, so I think you might be making a bit more of it than it was. There was also but... the uh, there was a helmet to helmet on Mason Rudolph in the uh, interception, which is always passing, uh, roughing the passer. That was yeah. that was missed. I agreed with that, um, uh, but regardless, regardless, regardless of the, yeah. the penalties like, that might have been missed, the, regardless of the blown calls, the this blown calls does is... not bode well for the Browns. Just scraping by against a team of well backups. Yeah, it was... Uh... Especially when your head coach isn't going to be at the playoff game because he's got fucking COVID. Yeah, it's it's the news that has just come out as of the time of recording is that uh, Cleveland Browns head coach uh, Kevin Stefanski alongside two other uh, coaches for the Browns and two players uh, have tested positive for COVID-19, which means... That they are oh left guard Joel Bitonio and wide receiver Kaderil Hodge. Um, uh. Joel Bitonio, the left guard, is one of their most yeah uh, in well integral parts of their O line. Their tackles have been mm. superb this year. Yeah, but, fantastic O line. Maybe but, one of the best in the league. Yeah, I I'd agree entirely. Um, and that will be a big loss. I don't yeah. know what this means for the NFL because right now the Browns have had to shut down their uh, their facility. Um, mm. They are trying to get this outbreak under control. It's weird the fact that this is the third team now that the Steelers have played in a very crucial spot that have had COVID issues the week before. Like, I promise, we're not trying to infect all the rest of the league before we play them. <laughs> They I mean, you know, doing at it. what point do you start to look past circumstance and assume that, you know, Mike Tomlin's been sending <laughs> COVID letters to to the Browns facility? Well, it just feels it I'm I'm obviously not saying that this is this is a uh like a Steelers thing, but it's it's so weird the fact that like there have there have been teams that have been affected by COVID. Uh and then there are teams that have been affected as a secondary outsource from them being affected. And it just feels like every every time that there's a big spot where somebody needs to come up against the Steelers and the Steelers are ready and it's like, oh, there's all this hype, it suddenly becomes this big distraction of, oh, they've got COVID. Like... It's 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 actually quite infuriating that I can't just go into this playoff weekend and just enjoy a Steelers Browns game at Heinz Field, which if if this were a, a murder mystery, I would be placing you firmly in <laughs> the library with the candlestick <laughs> as an organization. But that's you know that's not what we're here to do. Like I said, we're not we're not slinging mud. We're not fucking chumps. Well, it's two teams that are in the playoffs, so maybe we are. Well, yeah. Uh, the aside from COVID reasons, I'll I'll maintain this quite a lot. I mean, congratulations to Cleveland for getting into the oh, playoffs. Um, Eighteen-year drought. 
Sam, you, you, you're probably sick of me bringing it up, but do you know what happened the last time the Browns made the playoffs? I'm very sick of you bringing it up, Tom, because I'm gonna, just, yeah, I'm I just, like the Browns as a team. I know They've been you do, fun to watch. They deserve to be in the playoffs this year. They do. Des- no, no, I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be and in the playoffs. I'm honestly, just saying... Tom, I, I love you. I want you to, to feel good. I want, you know, by extension, I feel like that means I have to root for the Steelers. But I would love it if the Browns just kind of shook an upset here and knocked the Steelers all the way back home. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have to go very far. We'd 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 be in Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, just yeah. just take the bus. Yeah, um, I do entirely. Uh, oh, sorry, I was entirely expecting that out of your mouth. I expected no less from a bitter Giants fan. Um, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't deny it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I just this this game feels like. Uh, Nobody, nobody really won from the Brown Steelers game. <laughs> no. but the Browns yeah, definitely like lost. I think, but you know they're in the playoffs. They yeah they they made it to the playoffs. There's, they're going to be very happy about that. Oh, certainly. And there's there's enough on this team that uh, I think this is going to be the case more often than not. Now, obviously, the AFC is stacked. Mm-hmm. Which you know will cause an issue for them, but the way the team's looking, I think this is gonna be the norm for the future. Yeah, and the thing is as well is it feels like in the AFC there's quite a lot of young, high potential teams. Um, you know, you've got quite a lot of the Raiders team are very young, very uh, up and coming. They could mm. turn out to be good. The Dolphins, who were so desperately unlucky to miss oh. out this year, have got all of the time in the world and all of the chances under a very good head coach by the way Brian Flores mm. congratulations he's yeah, my shit. he's my contender for coach of the year oh, purely certainly. for that um, you've um, got the Browns you've got the Bengals who look like they could make a, a nice little run for it at some point in the next few years uh, you've got perhaps the Chargers if they can sort themselves out a bit there's a lot of guys that are on the outside looking in yeah. that are young enough to to feel like they could have a lot to play for. And then obviously you've still got teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Steelers, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Browns, who are all very much looking quite set for years to come. Um, We move over now to Bills Dolphins, where for all of the talk of Brian Flores' Coach of the Year and for all of the youth that they had, they yeah, all unfortunately, the special teams and defensive trickery. They met a brick wall filled with spikes. It was like <laughs> a it was like a total wipeout trap. A brick wall filled with spikes that were made of bees that were filled with poison <laughs> that was made out of a puffer fish. Who happened to die because of a shark. <laughs> That is also there. <laughs> um, the the Bills did the Bills have anything to play for this game? Were they, they still playing for? Yes and no. They, two they seed? yeah they needed to win for the two seed to like wrap it yeah. up. But if if 
they'd not won, then the Steelers losing meant that they got it anyway. This yeah. was just them saying, get back in your hole a little bit, Miami. Like, we've seen you trying to be frisky on the outside, but we are going to take this and we are the premier team in the AFC East now. Yeah. I am the captain now, said Josh Allen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they. I mean, they had their their starters on for the first half. Even in the second half, Matt Barkley still, you know, he put in a decent shift. Mm. And I think I I can't really. I was gonna say I can't really see any way that these Bills are gonna get stopped, but you know, I'd be very interested to see the Bills Chiefs. AFC title game. Yeah, I agree. Um, just God, the, the 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 entire conference is so fucking stacked with amazing teams. Well, this is the thing: like any single matchup from here out is an absolute yeah, it's a bomb slugger. I am I am so very excited for this playoff window because you've got the Chiefs who will rack up the score on on teams, but they also. Don't know how to finish teams off, it feels like. You've got the Bills, <laughs> who just finished the team off, who look incredibly strong, could be anyone. You've got the Steelers, who are a little bit frisky, I'm not going to lie. They, they maintained that friskiness. They've got the they've Titans. From, yeah, they've had a, a big fall from grace from juggernaut to frisky. <laughs> they have, but at the same time, like they would have but a good match there. with any they're of these teams. And they're frisky. Yeah. And that's what matters. You've got the Titans, who will wrap up every team that they oh. that they can. You've got the Ravens, whose defense has, has been balling and their offense is starting to click again. You've got the Browns, who are... They're an interesting team. They they can be fun at times. Uh, I personally think that they're not great, but... They're, they're, <laughs> For personal reasons. <laughs> they're, they're still there. And uh, you've got the Colts, who, you know, are... They bit, really... They've pulled it together. They have. Um any team could be a good match in this in this playoffs. Yeah. I am excited to see what Bill Colts offers up because the Bills shouldn't be a one and done team. But if the, <sighs> if anyone is going to beat them, I think it might be the Colts because I think that their defense yeah, is mean, good the... enough to stop the Bills. And I'm, God, I'm excited. Oh, it's going to be good. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm real bummed out for the Dolphins. I really thought they were going to make it uh, like as a wild card. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the way it falls. They couldn't... I think not having Fitz there for like the last couple of games made a big impact, but I don't think even he would have... You know, all the Fitz magic in the world can't stop a, a bludgeoning from this Bills offense. Yep. And uh, with that, Sam, I want to see... I want, well, do we, do we save the predictions for Friday? I think we saved the predictions for Friday. Okay. Get it out real quick. Okay. And then we're we're hot on the tails of the rest of sports podcasting. <laughs> all all bajillion of us out there. Yeah. And if you do want to keep up with everything else that we get up to, uh, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Our Twitter is at stifflippod. Our Instagram is uh, stifflippod. 
and uh, the Facebook is just the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast. You can also check out our website, which we don't really update very much. You can also check out all of our good friends, including myself and Ed, uh, at Gridiron Extra, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.gridironextra.com minus the E. Uh, Sam, closing remark? Um, I have no investment in these playoffs, but I am still wildly excited. I feel like a kid on Christmas. This is the first time I've cared about anything like this to do with the NFL. This I was is the first time I know who's playing in the playoffs. You've made a resurgence in your NFL sportscasting career to the point where I, my comeback broadcaster of the year is Sam Bloody Longdon. That's who. That's I, who yeah. my award is. I feel. I mean, akin to Alex Smith, I kind of theoretically broke my own leg by <laughs> agreeing, agreeing to, to do, do a this. podcast <laughs> that uh, you know about a subject that I really just had a passing interest in at best. Uh, you know, out in the wilderness for a bit, and then uh, you know, kind of a second coming. Um, it sort of feels you know, a little bit like you've just gone on like a bit of a sort of dementia-ridden wonder. Tech. And then, like, come in from the cold and have, like, had a reawakening as a 20-year-old. Yeah, I again. went and found myself. He did. Come back um, from, the, from the Alps. It feels good, man. Like, I get why people like the sport. Well, because it's actually exciting sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what? This sport might be interesting. I, I agree with you. Sometimes yeah. it might be um, a bit fun. Thankfully, you know... Uh, Covid willing, I'm gonna get to stay up and watch every single one of these games. Hell yeah, Sam! That's what we want to see. Because my Covid leave doesn't end till Tuesday. Banging, superb. So I don't know what I'll do about the weeks after that, but I'll probably have to be a lot less hungover. Nice, and uh, yeah, that that seems to me like a good place to call it here. Yeah. Um, succinct as ever. Yeah, thanks, Sam. It's, uh, it's been good, dog. I feel I feel like we've bonded more than anything over this over this oh, season. We always do. We Every do. time we do this. Yeah, I I um, think that in the off season we 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 make a an a huge attempt to keep things on the ground with some DKMJ at points oh, we will. throughout the year. We, you know, for all those concerned listeners, we know that we've gone away for a bit. We, you know, we went real hard for, I think only two episodes have been released. Yeah. I've, <laughs> there were some on the editing vlog that will maybe not see the light of day now because it's been too long and we can't be asked. But fresh start, reboot in the off season. Chocolate season three. That's <laughs> <laughs> we had a one episode season one two, two episode season, season two. <laughs> it's the most sustainable way to make content <laughs> so don't you fret it's coming oh it is in fact coming home uh, d- drop kick me jesus 3.0 football's coming home <laughs> um that'll do us till uh, till later this week when you'll have maybe close to our full complement.